Hello, and thank you for joining us on the Aberdeen Standard Investments U.S. Small Cap Quarterly Update. My name is Joe Summers, and I'm an advisor consultant here at ASI. Joining us today is Tim Skindjeleski, Investment Director with the North American Equities Team at ASI. Tim and I will discuss what the small cap landscape looks like and expectations for the asset class in 2021. Tim, thanks for joining me today. Great. Thanks for having me, Joe. Excited to be here. Tim, in light of the volatility brought on by the coronavirus pandemic last year, can you share a recap on how U.S. small caps performed in 2020? Sure, happy to. I would say, in short, small caps performed extraordinarily well considering the circumstances. And just think, if you go back to March 18th of last year, the Russell 2000 was down 40%, and we were in a really an unprecedented environment. The economy, not just in the U.S., but globally, was shut down, and there was really no end in sight. So to consider being down 40% at that point in time and then to finish the year um, up 20%, basically 100% return from March 18th through the end of the year, is pretty extraordinary. And I, I think there were a few things going on there. I think markets reacted positive, positively to the swiftness and aggressiveness of both fiscal and monetary policy, which really buoyed the consumer. So in an environment where you would normally expect that consumers were, would be retrenching, they were actually continuing to spend at a rather brisk pace. And I, and I think that's a byproduct of the great paradigm shift in the way people work and interact. You know, while many businesses like restaurants and brick-and-mortar retailers were sadly devastated by the pandemic, Many businesses, like our, like our own, shifted seamlessly to, re, to remote work and actually saw productivity increase, which is odd to think about. You know, think about the global economy shutting down and many businesses, you know, started to actually perform better in that type of environment. It's really, really surprising. So all told, a roller coaster year, but one where small cap returns were quite strong against all odds. Thanks, Tim. And with ongoing uncertainty, what are your thoughts about the U.S. small cap asset class moving forward in the first half of 2021 and beyond? Yeah, it's, it's interesting to think about because really starting in the fourth quarter of last year and, and commensurate with the rollout of vaccines and then the election, we saw a pretty uh, marked leadership shift in the market with value making a very strong comeback relative to growth and also small caps starting to outperform large caps. And that's really continued to play itself out into the early part of 2021. And I think there's two things at play here. First, in a reopening scenario uh, post-vaccine, the areas that lag significantly um, were poised that are making a comeback. And then secondly, areas that you know, stand to benefit from higher stimulus measures under a democratic regime um, stand to do better. And under both conditions, increasing GDP growth typically bodes well for both value relative to growth and small caps relative to large caps. So now we're mainly getting two questions from our clients. First and foremost, can small continue to outperform large? And secondly, can value continue to outperform growth? And while making calls about short-term shifts in size and style leaderships isn't typically our forte, we do have a few thoughts on these issues. I think Firstly, on the small versus large debate, um, we continue to see a pretty sizable valuation disconnect between the two. And by that, I mean 
small caps are still trading at a pretty steep discount relative to large, even after the recent bout of strong performance. Now, going forward, if we're in a stronger GDP growth environment, we think it's reasonable to expect that small cap continue to outperform large caps given their greater leverage to the domestic economy. And, and recall, historically, small caps have traded at a premium to large caps given the expectations for higher growth. I, th I think the value versus growth debate is a, is a bit of a tougher call. On one hand, higher stimulus measures, higher growth expectation, higher interest rate expectations, that all argues for value continuing to outperform. But then the other thing we consider is that we, we have what we call the so-called passing of the baton from old world to new world. And by that, mean, we mean that there's a very long-term structural driver for, for many technology and service-related businesses. And these really prop up and would seem to support the growth asset class. So, you know, in the short term, I, I don't think it's unreasonable for value to continue to perform well relative to growth. But I think you know, as we get into the later part of the year and, and a bit longer term, perhaps the returns between the two were, will be a bit more balanced. More to that, Tim, uh, what themes uh, do you view as uh, important as we move forward to this year? Uh, I have two in mind. First and foremost, that this broader theme of environmental, social, and governance, or, or what we call or is what commonly called ESG considerations. Um, when it comes to investing, I, I think that continues to be top of mind for, for both us, the market, and our clients. You know, we've always been firm believers that companies which focus on and report on their key environmental and social issues are better able to mitigate and avoid large financial risks, and that better governance better corporate governance, and by that I mean strong boards of directors, good pay packages, that typically leads to better fundamental performance and hence better shareholder returns over time. So that is why we have long integrated ESG analysis into our process by combining really our deep fundamental research teams with the best-in-class centralized and localized ESG resources. And I think this arena has obviously become more mainstream, but, but we believe we're ahead of the pack in this regard and will, uh, I think, continue to be a theme this year and even beyond. Um, secondly, we're continuing to uh, watch and, and think there's a very strong tailwind behind the software market. You know, even before the onset of the pandemic, we were very much subscribers to the recently coined adage that every company is becoming a software company, and by that we mean companies across industries are increasingly looking to software as a means not to just make their businesses more efficient and lower cost, but increasingly as a means to better connect with customers and drive higher revenue growth. So over the past several years, we've seen this massive investment in software from companies of all sizes and industries. And to the benefit of our clients, many of the beneficiaries of this spend have been smaller companies. There's been this changing of the guard, so to speak, in the software world from the old, large, stodgy, what we call legacy companies like SAP, Oracle, and IBM to more nimble, innovative, and service-oriented, kind of born-in-the-cloud type companies. And in many cases, these are small caps. And we think that changing paradigm in the way in which companies do business post-pandemic will only accelerate this. Excellent. With the election now behind us, how do you see the policies of President Biden impacting the small cap universe? 
Well, obviously, green energy and renewables are top of mind here. I mean, this was a hot area even before President Biden won the election, and I think it will become even more so going forward as he made, has he made a commitment to pursuing a green agenda. And we, we've seen this backed up with executive orders in the early days of his administration. I mean, just yesterday he signed orders requiring federal agencies to, to procure carbon-free energy and electric vehicles, there was another order accelerating clean energy uh, generation and transmission projects, and even spiked the controversial Keystone XL pipeline project. So I think this will continue to be a theme. I think there will continue to be legislation and executive orders in this vein, and I think this will have a large positive impact on smaller companies exposed to these areas. I think another area that should benefit that is a little bit more under the radar uh, is another software theme. It's, it's, it's cybersecurity. Now, just before the holidays, there was a massive cybersecurity attack on several uh, government agencies and large enterprises, which really illustrated that even after years of investing in cybersecurity infrastructure, the government and private businesses are still very vulnerable to attacks. And, and President Biden has highlighted cyber as a top area of an investment and actually earmarked $10 billion, $10 billion for various cyber defense initiatives. So going back to what I said, talked about earlier, um, some of the more innovative software companies being smaller ones, there are many that stand to benefit from the government's increased investment in the space. Tim, thank you so much for your information today. And thank you all for joining us on today's podcast which we will be doing from here on out each quarter. Have a great day.